As an agribusiness expert with Alliant Energy and a farmer, I know how important it is to get the most out of your land. I know that also applies to getting the most out of how your farm uses energy. That's why Alliant Energy offers free farm energy assessments. With a farm energy assessment, someone like me will find all kinds of ways to help you save money and energy. We can even connect you with rebates to help make energy equipment upgrades even more affordable. Schedule your free assessment at AlliantEnergy.com slash FarmEnergyAssessment. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy-efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy-efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com rebates. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Mile high hello, everybody in Broncos country. Welcome into another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I am your host, Lance Sanderson, and joining me, as per usual, is my good friend and colleague. He is Mile High Huddle's senior NFL draft analyst, the one and only Eric Trickle. Eric, um, camp's been going pretty decently so far. Obviously, we had the bad news with Tim Patrick, Demario Crockett, and stuff like that. It's been kind of a for the most part, interesting way of going about things. No seven-on-sevens, no one-on-ones, a lot of teamwork, a lot of slow jog-through days like today. So there's not a whole lot of information to come out from anything from today's practice. But you've been gleaning a lot of very positive information from people we've talked to, people from that, that I have talked to as well. How are you doing? And are you kind of absorbing everything organically and as quickly as possible, pretty much? Yeah, I mean, I'm reaching out to everybody I know to get any kind of in- additional information besides what's being put out on Twitter of how these guys are doing. And one thing that really stands out is how much the players seem to love the way that this coaching staff is doing things. They love these days where they're able to sit back and kind of have like more of a walkthrough type day. It gives their body a rest. And it's not for me, it's not that big of a deal. They're still getting the work in. They're still, you know, doing walkthrough. It's part of the installation of, of everything of players getting used to it. I don't have any issues with it. I can understand to a degree as to why others do, um, but players love it and players are very happy for it. I mean, Draymond Jones, he kind of poked fun at it a little bit yesterday. Somebody asked him about wanting to do padded practice and he said every day. And then he's like, I'm lying. Um, kind of poking fun at that aspect. It's like, you don't want players to constantly put their bodies like doing damage to their bodies and practice and stuff like that. So even though they're still practicing and working at it, it's kind of like a semi rest day which is, again, it's great to see. It it really is. And honestly, it's kind of a breath of fresh air. And from what I understand, Nathaniel Hackett's kind of adopted this philosophy from not only just his last stop in Green Bay, but being back with uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars before it, multiple stops across the NFL landscape. So for him to understand and, and really communicate with his players and show that, hey, we do care about your bodies. We do want to change the way that things are are going. You know, we're not going to slam and crack heads every single day. Like it's, it is really a breath of fresh air to see just this change in philosophy. And it's a far cry different from what Vic Fangio was, was even doing over this last coaching regime i mean the other day dalton reisner was talking about it on uh 104.3 the fan with stokely and zach and he said that you know we would go three or four days in a row where we were just hitting each other super hard and just going hard and by the time you got that third or fourth day your muscles get tired you you just the fatigue sets in it turns into one of those dog days of camp where you just don't want to go out there and the tempo slows just by itself organically because the players are tired it's a huge separation from what we've seen even back 20 years ago, where it was padded two a days out in the summer heat and the the players back then, there's a lot of players that have some issues with the way that some of these camps are going, but they understand and they wish that they had this similar kind of thing. So it's, it's a lot of fun to see the way that this team is starting to, to work together. The leadership starting to come together and these players are really starting to appreciate what they're doing out there, getting the mental reps and stuff like that. So to me, I, I love what's going on here, guys. Uh, 
So we got a great show coming at you guys today. We're going to continue our 53-man roster breakdown. Today we're going to do the offensive line and interior defensive line only. We're going to do um, defensive tackles and stuff like that. Separate the edges and the linebackers off. That'll be next week. And then we'll do the defensive backs after that. But before we get started, guys, we do have to give a huge shout out to our newest sponsor, pristineauction.com. Eric, what's going on with Pristine Auction? Well, how about this for a giveaway? A signed Javante Williams helmet. We welcome Pristine Auction as a sponsor to our podcast. PristineAuction.com is the most trusted sports memorabilia auction site with an A-plus triple B rating. Auctions on PristineAuction.com start at just $1, and each day there are over a 1,000 autographed items available. So you win signed authentic signatures at affordable prices. Just last week, an autographed Justin Herbert jersey sold for $110. Deals like this are happening all the time on PristineAuction.com, and they have just about every player you can want, including Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, and so much more. Every item on pristineauction.com comes with a certificate of authenticity from the industry's most reputable authentic authenticators. Upgrade your collection of signed memorabilia, signed memorabilia today and get $10 off your first item, um, item one, when you use code HUDDLE when you sign up. Again, it's pristineauction.com. Use code HUDDLE and you get 10% off your first item one. And guys, that's not all. In addition to that $10 off on your first item, they're giving away a signed Javante Williams helmet to one lucky listener who signs up using the code HUDDLE. Guys, no purchase is necessary. Just sign up, enter in your email and stuff like that. Go and shop and find some of the stuff. But guys, here's your chance to win. All you have to do is sign up on their website using the registration code HUDDLE to be entered. And all of our links are in the description, guys. You can check it out today. Please get after that. And thank you again, pristineauction.com for sponsoring the show. We really appreciate everything you are doing for us. Now, with that, guys, we have some super chats. Got to say hello to uh, everybody in the in the chat. We've got Phil jumping in here, not saying anything, just showing some showing some love. And Phil, we appreciate you, Phil McLaughlin. That is, um, uh, Robin. This is a new name to me. Robin uh, Hayuton is a new name to me. So thank you, Robin, for jumping in. Nothing to say. Again, just showing some love, and we definitely appreciate that, Robin. So thank you very much. We've also got uh, WTH First No Fear is jumping in here. Got a couple of questions that we're going to answer really fast before we get into the meat and uh, the meat and bones of our show today. If I can find them, we got to keep scrolling. Uh, Lawrence Rivera, first things first, jumping in here, showing some love, saying, what's up, guys? How much cap space do we have left this season? Eric, you want to grab that really fast while I grab these questions from uh, No First Fear? Um, Denver currently has about a little over $11.3 I believe is what it is, maybe 12.3, somewhere right in that ballpark. Um, they'll probably add a little bit more over the coming weeks with some cuts, maybe even potentially players traded away. Um, but it's a good amount to go into the season with. I mean, teams typically look to have about 8 to $12 million. And available cap space for you know in-season signings for injuries and stuff like that so it's not a bad bad number for bad position for them to be in yeah it's it's, it's kind of nice they can go and and you know fill some holes maybe the, i mean it looks out it sounded like they were looking at a linebacker over the last couple of days um anthony Barr. there was some news about him he just signed in dallas on a one-year two or three million dollar deal something like that the Broncos have some cap space to go and and afford to be able to do something like that. They've they've made a couple of moves already in signing Max Borgie the other day. They brought in Darius Shepard, who made a huge play on uh, essentially his first play in practice, catching a sixty yard touchdown pass from Josh Johnson. So they they have the the flexibility to go and fill some holes if they need to. They maybe lose another another guy to injury. Knock on wood, we don't want that to happen, of course. But if, if something like that does happen, they have at least enough room to uh, to be able to do that. I want to grab this question though. WTH first no fear. I believe this is this is the first time that we have seen your name in the chat as well. So welcome into the Valley Deep Divers. We appreciate you. He says, uh, "Good evening, Eric and Lance. I have three questions for both of you. We're going to get this first one and maybe get another one later, but uh, not related to the topic today, but rather scouting. So first, what are your top five hardest positions to scout in order? Number one, as an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save." Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com energyaudit energy audit. 
College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at a $1,000 savings plan deposit for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. One has to be the quarterback position. Eric, do you agree with that? No, and the reasoning – okay, so watching quarterbacks, it's not that it's easy to watch them or scout them. Safeties are the hardest position for me to scout because you need all 22 typically, mm-hmm. and it's so hard to come by. Yeah. So without it, it makes it a lot more difficult. But inherently, you know, trying to figure out the techniques and everything, like quarterback is from that aspect the hardest because you don't always know what they're seeing. You can make your assumptions based off the offensive line, but you don't know if they're necessarily seeing over that offensive tackle or or what, or if they're missing that linebacker, they throw the intercept. You don't know what they're seeing for, for sure. Um Factoring that in, is safety is still a position that is still rather hard for me to scout. Same with cornerbacks. Um, those are two positions that I typically have a lot of misses on um, on a yearly basis. Um, but it's part of it is, you know, not having enough all 22 and everything. But it's just one thing that it's a lot of feel from a lot of interviews that I've watched with them. It's a lot of feel with it for defensive backs, feeling that they're in the right place, having that feel for the receiver. The technique for it, I understand, but you know, the intangible aspect of it, I can't get Um, outside of that um, running backs. I mean, you can see if they have it or not, but when you question, start leading to questions about their vision, it's a little bit difficult because the same thing with quarterbacks, you're not sure what they're seeing. Yeah. I'm, I'm there with you on safeties for the exact same reason. However, when you do find good tape, I, I played cornerback in safety when I, I'm not trying to be that guy that like, I, I was obviously never a professional, but I've played that position. So I kind of understand a little bit more of the responsibility aspect and learning, you know, the, your, your footwork, um, hip fluidity and stuff. I can see that just a little bit better having the, the experience of doing so. That said, it is so hard to do those guys because you don't understand exactly what their assignment is. You don't know their their mentality of how they go about playing the position. You can see their techniques all you want to, but you don't know if they're supposed to pass off or they have help over the top or they think they have help over the top when they really don't. So that is a very difficult thing for me. Another one that I've always struggled with, and I'm getting better the more that I'm watching some of the All-22, is interior defensive line players to me. Hand placement and stuff like that is so hard for me to judge on that. I can see the leverage. I can see the footwork and the burst and stuff, but understanding rips and swims, hand placements, leverage, and stuff like that, I'm still kind of working through that. Quarterbacks, a lot of it is just judging the footwork. Like if they understand their footwork and they can use their footwork through the reads of their progressions, you can see their their eyes turning. You can see their feet moving and stuff like that. You can kind of understand what they're supposed to do. But again, you don't really know this. Like you can see all this stuff on tape, but you don't know what's going through their head. And without that, you don't have a good idea of how they understand the game. And that's what makes it hard to do what we do. Like even at as I don't mean to sound terrible here, but as good as we are at doing this, it makes it hard to do that because we don't get to have that one-on-one interaction where we throw a play up on the board and say, how are you going to read this? What's your first responsibility? How do you change what you're doing depending on what your coverage is? That's an incredibly difficult and very vital part of understanding how to scout and evaluate these quarterbacks. Yeah, and going to the interior defensive line and offensive line, um, since uh, that is the top of conversation, those are the two of the e- easiest spots for me. Edges, defensive line, offensive line, working in the trenches. That's always the easiest because even if you can't get all 22, obviously you can still see it. Um, interior defensive line, the biggest thing with them is knowing what the role is in the defense. Mm-hmm. That matters tremendously because if you're trying, if you're looking at a guy who he's not being asked to necessarily be like that top tier pass rusher, he's kind of being that um, spying the quarterback, trying to keep him from climbing up the middle to for hitting that middle running lane. Um, he may not have the pass rushing numbers that you're looking for. So you kind of want to balance that out and figure out who this player is. And then you got to look for those opportunities like, okay, hey, they're letting him loose here. What is it he can do as a pass rusher? Mm -hmm. So it's really fairly easy for me um, being able to, over the last two years, I think it was, um, getting into contact with some friends of of Luke Polglaze, um, one of them is a defensive line coach and being able to talk to him and have him do a thing has definitely helped me improve there, which was great. But, you know, the topic is this on the offensive line and defensive line. Well, we're talking about the defensive line. So why don't we get to the defensive line first? Um, Denver made that huge um, addition with DJ Jones and Dale Fleming and a couple other people have mentioned, have asked or made comments about any Uwazarike. And well, there's a lot of reports that, 
um, and comments that I've heard is that, well, he hasn't been super impressive. Like he's very much a rookie and it's obvious he's done well in his mm-hmm. reps to be a solid depth piece on this defensive line. Yeah. And Gary Leeds Palmer jumping in here really quick saying, Hey, Lance and Eric and Scott, uh, is this team looking good as advertised at this time? Let's ride. Uh, as of right now, everything that I'm hearing is mostly the offenses been kind of struggling to get their wheels turning. It's not that they're playing poorly, but they're just not having the, the high expectations that everybody had when they brought in Russell Wilson. So to me, that's going to take some time. You've got a new offensive scheme. You've got a new quarterback, a new head coach. You've got to kind of just roll with the punches a little bit defensively as far or offensively, excuse me, as far as the defensive side of the football, everyone is raving like James Palmer and Ian Rappaport from NFL network were there the other day and they're raving about this defense. They're saying that it's going to be very good. Baron Browning continues to stand out as a player that's transitioning from linebacker to edge, seeing kind of a, a hybrid role there. Pat Sertan has been easily the best player from all accounts uh, as far as the defense is concerned. Um, Justin Simmons in that secondary, they have a couple of gaps every, every now and again, but they are locking down this offense. I don't think that that's a cause for a concern because this defensive scheme is very similar to what they had before. Ajiro Evero is a disciple of Vic Fangio. He's a disciple of Brandon Staley, who was a disciple of Vic Fangio. They've been around this. They understand what they're doing. While the terminology has changed, everything is still remotely the same. And the Broncos got better, especially along that defensive line. And with DJ Jones and uh, Enioma Wazarike. Yeah, and you kind of touched on it. Michael Ronquillo asked Lance and Eric, who's having the best training camp through nine nine practices so far. Patrick Sertan. Mm-hmm. Like, he's, I mean, again, dish me up that crow. Um, I, I wasn't very high on him. I was very, very wrong in that aspect of it. Um, but he's a, he's been super impressive. They're leaving him on an island, and it's allowing them to shift focus away. So the biggest question that I have, and I was talking about this with a couple other people, is if Denver can consistently get home with four pass rushers, this defense has a chance to be outstanding. Because when you can afford to allow a corner to play on an island and move coverage elsewhere, like it makes it so hard to move the ball. Um but we got to get back to the topic for a few minutes here, talking about the defensive line. Um, so you and I, we both have a difference of opinion when it comes to Uwazarike mm-hmm. um, and how he should be playing. But And we'll get more on Uwazarike here in a second. But for starters, we got to get to you know the three starting defensive linemen. Who, who are those going to be? Um, obviously, Jones and Jones are two of them. But who's that third guy? That was the question coming into camp. And I think at this point, we may not have an answer, but I think we have more clarity on the picture of who it's trending towards being. And honestly, it sounds like that guy is Deshaun Williams. From everything that I've heard, from talking to you, from listening to people that are out there at camp, they're they're looking at who's just out there in the general rotation. While Owazarike has been playing a lot of that uh, that four eye technique that you were talking about the three and four eye and stuff. I think that if they wanted to slide him inside a little bit, they could probably do that as well. But it sounds like Deshaun Williams has really stepped up his game this offseason. Like he is a monster in the running game, getting some pass pressure in there as well, eating up blockers and letting linebackers flow through their gaps and stuff like that. Like Deshaun Williams, I know that's a guy that uh, our, our guy, James Campbell um, at MHH in our group chat, he's always been pounding the table that Deshaun Williams is a guy that, needs to get more run on this defense. And it sounds like they're giving giving him an opportunity to be that first guy up in this rotation. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not super disappointed. I was going back. I've been watching some tape, trying to do some film room um, pieces on it. And Deshaun Williams is one of them. And um, I got some heat from Deshaun Williams a couple, about a week or two ago. um, Cause I made a comment about how there's, there was times last year that he got blown off the ball and just struggled a little bit. And that is true but I didn't realize how impressive he was at times in that. What was it? Week 16 Raiders game. Mm-hmm. Deshaun Williams yep. was yep. devastating that offensive line. Yes, he, was. he did so much to help out the other guys and that, and to help out everybody else on that, clearing out space, running those stunts. And really with what Denver is looking for, it is something that he can definitely play and definitely do. Uh, as long as he continues to grow in progress and he can cut back on being blown off the ball. And it's just a matter of, he gets too high in a stance coming out and gives up leverage. If he can really cut back on that, he could be a very solid piece on this defensive line, which is really just kind of what they're needing. It really is. And that's the biggest question, quite honestly, heading into the future. I mean, you've got Mike Purcell that's 
may not even make this roster this season. There's a good chance that he might be one of those cap casualties this, this off season because he's so limited in what he does. He's a nose tackle only. He's a zero one technique nose tackle, and he doesn't do a great job of playing two gaps. DJ Jones does that very well. The one question I do have for you, Eric, because I've, I've seen this coming out from multiple people, including Benjamin Albright and Ryan Edwards at KOA. Um, they're talking about Mike Purcell, and while he's not necessarily playing great, he still offers something that the Broncos don't necessarily have right now, and that's a guy that can play that zero and one at a, a relatively consistent level and then use utilize DJ Jones and moving him around the defensive line on the other side of Draymond Jones, who see, figures to be that four-eye technique starter on the opposite side of where DJ Jones or Deshaun Williams would be. Is that kind of the way that you're understanding this conversation going, or is really Mike Purcell like the odd man out here? Well, Mike Purcell is a tough one because they would def- they want to see more. From what I understand, they want to see more from others on the defensive line. They want to see if you know they can move Deshaun Williams to nose and DJ Jones out. They want to see if Wazariki can hold up there. Mm-hmm. They want to see these other options and see if they can step up as a nose tackle and two gap for the thirty five percent of snaps that they'll have a true uh, need that right. um, kind of pro- player for. It. They want to see if they can happen. If they can't step up then it sounds like Mike Purcell has a chance to make it. It's going to be hard to swallow that cost, and maybe Denver tries to figure out something that with that instead. Um, maybe just a essentially a pay cut, turning you know salary into bonus money that he may not be able to obtain, things like that. Things to lower the potential cost of it is definitely one way they can go about it because they need somebody for that. When they go into jumbo packages right now, is you typically want your three guys big in the middle, and they don't have that third guy or even second guy really to step up yet. Wazariki is probably that third one, but he's got to step up and he's got to develop still. So he has a chance to make this roster. I've been very adamant that he's on his way out. I still think that he is, but there is a pathway for him to make the roster. Right. I, I'm going to say something that might be a little bit controversial to you here really fast, but hear me out before I before you blow me up. You've got Owazarike, who is who projects to be an elite interior pass rusher. Like, that guy with the length and the burst and the athleticism that he does possess, this kid's a freak. Like, he plays with his hair on fire. He's got some issues in the running game, though. Like, there's so some play strength. He doesn't play to his length nearly as much as he probably should when it comes to taking on blockers, especially as a two-gap guy. He gets pushed off the ball a little bit too easy. The Broncos have another guy like that that they drafted a few years ago in McTelvin Aguin, a guy that's – He's a very good pass rusher. You can slide him all over the defensive line. They did that when he was back at Arkansas a couple years ago, but he's never truly developed as that run defender that they need to have. When he's on the field in pass rushing situations, he's a a monster. Again, another guy that plays with his hair on fire. So if you had to choose between one of the two, obviously Lazarique is probably the way you're going to go because he is the the incumbent draft pick. But – what do you do with McTelvin and Game right now? Like, where where does his role fill in on this defensive line? They both have I mean, similar but, issues. But he has similar issues, but the way you can use him is a little bit different. He's not a guy that you're going to be lighting up as a zero to three technique consistent. Right, yes. He's going to be that four eye, that five technique, mm-hmm. which is where I think that Uazariki's best spot is. But he has the size and enough strength to move inside a little bit. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at McTelvin Ajim more for as a primary backup to Draymond Jones, whereas Uazariki is probably more of a primary backup for the opposite spot where you want to be a little bit bigger, you want to be a little bit stronger, where Deshaun Williams is projecting to start right now. It's So I think those four all make this squad with DJ Jones being that fifth one. The mm-hmm. question is, is who is that sixth one for me? I have it personally, Matt Henningsen, but I think it is a close battle there between do they go with a nether peer outside guy and go with the versatility of Wazarike or Williams, or do they just go with Purcell and use Wazarike and Williams more so on the outside? I could see them going either way. I have it Henningsen over Purcell simply because of cost. Yeah. But that sixth spot comes down to those two players for me. I'm actually with you on that one because Purcell, we've talked about it multiple times. It's I think 4.2 or something like that. I think the Broncos could save three and a half million or something like that. I can't remember the exact specifics of it. We've talked about it 25 times and I can't remember, but that's a lot of money. The Broncos could have to, again, go and make another move where they can go and bring in another off-ball linebacker, replace a guy that got hurt, potentially address the right tackle position if somebody goes down there. Um, there's news about that. By the way, uh, Billy Turner may not be back. It, like, it sounds like they're trying to get him back for week one, but he hasn't been practicing. It's been Calvin Anderson the entire time there. To 
kind of break into our offensive line conversation here, but to me, being able to save that extra money for uh, on a Mike Purcell with his limitations of him not being able to move around, Henningsen's not a guy you want to line up as a zero one technique, if at all possible. I mean, you may not even want to play him as a two eye. Like he's going to be a three technique to five technique. Like that's his solidified role on this defense. Having that, I think, is actually going to be a little bit more valuable based on what the Broncos have behind them and the guys that they have on the edge and the the hybrid linebackers they have in a Baron Browning and a Nick Benito, guys that can line up off the ball, come from multiple different angles. You don't need to have that zero one technique. Like you said, what, 35% of the time they, they actually use a zero one technique. So to me, I, I think the easy math here is to bring Henningsen aboard. And unfortunately, I, I hate to do it. Mike Purcell has to be the guy out of here. Yeah, I'm going to grab college can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at a thousand dollar savings plan deposit for sixth through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Grab some comments real quick. Say hello a little bit to the chat. We have K Hop in here asking, remember when people wanted Kayla Farley? Yeah, I was one of them. Me too. Um, and on on the field, like he was great and he was a good prospect and everything. Health has just been an issue and it's continued to be an issue for him. Um, Jay Cozet says, I have a good feeling about the defense for sure. I definitely do as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Kathy Lund comes in, says, Hi, fam. Sorry I'm late. What I miss? Uh, not much, just more Lance just talking out as, you know, behind. Hey, 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 um, hey, now. That's right. not fair. Kathy does come in with a question. At this point, is it Calvin Anderson's job to lose as we switch over to the offensive line? Um, basically, yeah. That's kind of how it seems to be. They really wanted Billy Turner to come in and compete for it, but he's still out with the knee injury. Tom Compton's dealing with the back injury. Calvin Anderson has taken the job, and I don't want to say he's ran away with it, but, I mean, it's not hard to outpace limping players. So it's kind of his by default. Um and Cameron Fleming seems to be poised to be that backup spot unless they're able to get Billy Turner back. Um, but really, for all intents and purposes, the um, for all intents and purposes, the starting offensive line seems to be set. It's just yep. now questions about what the depth is. Um, they haven't formally announced anything, but basically looking at what they're doing in practice, there seems to be a standard top five. Yeah, and Calvin Anderson seems to be that starting right tackle. Like, yeah. it, and I know that Eric, you said it was kind of by default and I, and I agree with you on that because there's not really any viable competition. They bring in Cam Fr- Cameron Fleming late and then they bring it, uh, they have, I, th- I think it's Zach Johnson or something like that is another player and he keeps jumping off sides. Um, they have another player, uh, Ben Braden, who they've been trying to play at guard a little bit, but he's been swinging around and kind of moving all over the place, but nobody stepped up or stepped out and showed out. Calvin Anderson, while he hasn't been a guy that's like super flashy and like, hey, this is probably the future of the of the right tackle position. From all reports that I've heard, even talking with you, Eric, there's he hasn't been terrible. Like he hasn't been a liability at the right tackle position. So to me, that is actually a, a big, big shining light for this offensive line because we've been looking for a quality right tackle since Orlando Franklin left in free agency. 
Like it's it's been well no before that time. it was when they moved Orlando Franklin from right tackle to left guard. Exactly, yeah, and they they had uh, Ryan Harris playing there for for a little bit. Like it's it's been a while since the Broncos have had a a quality right tackle. And if Calvin Anderson can show up and at least not be a turnstile liability like the Michael Schofields or the Metalik Watson injuries that you had, Donald Stevenson was absolutely terrible. Um, Elijah Wilkinson and I like Big Eli, but at the same time he was not good at right tackle. Like that if Anderson is the guy that's going to take the job, then credit to him, especially with his story. That's like, he might be the most interesting man on this Broncos team. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely needed, as you said, that they needed to go and develop somebody for the long term, And he seems to have the best shot about it. Um, that my question for it is we've seen him at right tackle before, and it's been far worse than what we've seen from him from left tackle. Mm-hmm. So I'm still on that point of, it's great to hear that he's doing a good job in practice. I want to see him do it in game. I want to see him perform at this level, at this caliber in it. And as for the rest of the offensive line, it's pretty much the same. It, I mean, Garrett Bowles was expected to be um, the left tackle. Dalton Reisner seems set, barring any potential trade, seems to be set for left guard. Lloyd Cushenberry, he's still struggling at it, but I mean, it seems to be his job at center. Um, Quinn Miner's at right guard. Uh, Luke Wattenberg is very much a rookie. He's struggling. Graham Glasgow, they seem to like to at guard in a backup center. Tony Moody, he's definitely getting run with the ones. There's no, obviously, like, there's no denying that fact. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything I've heard is that there is a clear gap between him and then Miners and Riser. There, there is a clear gap there. They still want to work on developing him for a little bit. And they're trying to cross-train him a little bit of getting him settled down at both guard spots because he definitely did far better at left guard than he did right guard. And so they want to keep watching that. Um, left tackle, the backup there, I mean, it's just going to be some moving pieces for it. So, I mean, offensive line for me, I mean, as I said, for the starting spot or for starting five, it's set and depth seems to be pretty obvious because there's it's a numbers game at that point. You can only keep nine or 10 offensive linemen, really. Um, so I think it's uh, fairly set. And um, I, I guess and, the one question that I have for you um, to break this up just a second, I want to go back to the depth here a little bit. With, with Compton and with Billy Turner being the guys that the Broncos obviously made is like the priority free agents to, to bring in to help bolster the depth or maybe even potentially steal a starting spot. Obviously, they're injured, so you're not getting a good look at those guys. They're not practicing and, and stuff like that. Um, with uh, with guys like Natani Moody, is he really taking advantage of the opportunity that he has presented to him just because – he doesn't have to worry about Tom Compton, who's a, a really good scheme fit, has played really well at guard, played really well at tackle, or a Billy Turner, who is can play four out of the five offensive line positions. Not having those two out there, are we seeing a little bit of false positives with Natani Moody as a guy that they might be looking to move forward from? Is like, let's showcase him out here, get him out with the first team offensive line, kind of see how he works, and then we'll throw him out in the game. We have a valuable asset here as a guy that – you know, has some experience in, in the NFL and might have a little bit of versatility. I mean, it's definitely possible. It just doesn't seem to be the case. It seems to be genuine interest of still working to develop Natani Moody. Okay. Because it doesn't sound like Graham Glasgow will be around after this year. It doesn't sound like Dalton Reisner will be in Denver after this year. Um, Dalton Reisner being an unrestricted free agent. So it seems to be like we want to continue developing him. We want to see what he can and throw on him. Because next year, he's going to have a big opportunity to be the starter at left guard, which is fine. And Natani Moody, I mean, it was when he was drafted, there was no question that he needed time. He played 19, what, 19 games in college is all he played because of injuries. I thought it, it was, was 19, 19 or 22. One of the 20, I think it was 22. And um, played five games over his final two years. So he needed time. And we've seen it. We've seen the highs from Natani Moody over his the few games that he started the last two years. We've also seen the really low lows. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to work on that technique a little bit, improvement, pass protection, those are musts. Still needs time for that, it seems to be. Um, and then another name that's kind of being going out, being mentioned quite a bit, is Quinn Bailey and not sleeping mm-hmm. on him potentially making this roster. He seems to be doing impressive or have doing an impressive job. And one thing worth noting, another thing worth noting, um, and potential for a backup center spot is Casey Tucker has actually been getting reps at center as well. Okay, that's interesting to me because he, I thought he was playing kind of that swing guard and tackle kind of playing inside and outside for the most part, not sliding to the sliding to the inside all the way down to uh, being the pivot point there. Like that's that's interesting news, and I had not seen that anywhere. So thank you for dropping that nugget. I want to go back here. We've got another question coming in here from First No Fear. Um, 
he says, can we be a, a like, can it be a, a top 10 offensive line if everything clicks? Uh, actually, there's a really good piece that Nick Kendall is working on right now, some inside baseball. I'm not sure if it went up or not already, but uh, keep your eyes out because apparently someone at ESPN did an offensive line rankings and said that the, the Denver Broncos should be the fourth best offensive line in the NFL this year, like they have the potential to be that. The one issue that I have with the analysis based on what was said in the clip that I did get to see, I haven't read the full article yet, but I want to shout this out. Um, the one thing that they did highlight was Billy Turner's presence on this offensive line. And with Billy Turner not playing, that can be a big wrench in the works here. Yeah, uh, I looked at ESPN's rankings and they were kind of... <laughs> oh, and it were... is up, by the way, it is up. MileHighHuddle.com, go check that out. Sorry, Eric. It was uh, rather wonky rankings, something I definitely don't disagree with. I understand that they're leaning heavily into the pass block win rate, which, hey, nothing wrong with that. Analytics, I'm becoming more favorable of them. I'll, I'll, I talk about them a lot on here. Um, but the issue is, is what you said, is they're leaning heavily onto Billy Turner aspect of it. And at this point, he's not projected to be a starter. He's hasn't practiced. He's hurt. If this unit, if everything clicks... I don't, I don't see a top 10 offensive line. It's definitely possible. I think that they'll probably be in that 11 to 14 range, just slightly above league average, um, which you can win with. It's still better than a bottom five unit that Russell Wilson saw in Seattle for so long. Yeah, I was just about to say that. I want to play the hypothetical game here really fast. Um, and and I, I know that that's kind of tricky territory, especially with where we're at in camp. Obviously, you and I are not there, so we don't get to see what – uh, Calvin Anderson is performing at, but I want to play this hypothetical game because I think it's pertinent to this conversation. If Billy Turner were, were healthy, how would this right tackle competition be shaping up based on what you know of Billy Turner and Calvin Anderson coming off of last season's tape? Um, So just Billy Turner, not Tom Compton. Uh, you can throw Compton in there. Um, but I always thought that Compton was more competition for guard than tackle. So if you want to throw Compton in there, then then by all means, go ahead. So from what I understand that the initial plan was basically Tom Compton to come in, compete at left guard as well, but more so be that left tackle, right tackle, be part of that right tackle competition, okay. a swing tackle option, um, along with Calvin Anderson and Turner also being part of it. So it was a three-way competition for it. That okay. was what it was designed to be. Okay. Uh, but it seemed very much a thing of, depending on how things went, Turner starting at right tackle and Compton being just a versatile depth piece capable of playing for the five spots and Calvin Anderson being your swing tackle. Um, I think that was the initial plan. Injuries obviously uh, kind of changed things. Um, but yeah, I think, I think right tackle would have been essentially locked for Billy Turner if he didn't get hurt. I kind of lean with you on that one. Even though I thought that Billy Turner has always played better at guard than he did on the outside, he at least has the athleticism and, and the length to do that. It's always been a matter of technique to me. But I think that based on what I saw from Calvin Anderson, the, the one game that really stands out to me with him, and not at the right tackle position, but the left tackle position where it, I think that his best fit is, um, was the, the game against Carolina a couple of seasons ago. He played pretty well on the left side, but when you play as badly as he did on the right side last season, and given Billy Turner's experience, not only in this offense, but just in the NFL in general, I think it would have slanted heavily towards the veteran presence. And I quite honestly think that Billy Turner, as far as, as a leader, a leader on the field would have been a big boost there because that's a guy that you can trust. Like Russell Wilson has placed a massive emphasis on being able to, um, to, trust the players that are around him, especially on the offensive line. Like he's like, you can't have success offensively if you don't trust the players that are around you. So Billy Turner having that, what, nine years, I think in the NFL worth of experience and being a player that has been pretty highly lauded for his ability has, I, I think that that to me would have been the way that this goes. There's a lot of comments out here about this linebacker com uh, conversation um, talking about like, is there a, a star middle linebacker in the, uh, in the game today. This is from Jeff Noyce here, Eric. Um, lots of names flying around here. Fred Warner, Devin Whites, uh, Micah Parsons, and stuff like that. I don't want to go to the NFL style of things, but I want to kind of project just a little bit here because the Broncos have a player that they are incredibly high on in Jonas Griffith, a guy that's kind of had a, a 
rough and tumble story of things. I believe undrafted free agent out of Oklahoma. Um, he didn't even get D1 uh, college scholarship offers. Uh, had to tr- He transferred from some no-name school. In fact, he was a basketball player, I believe, at Indiana State or something like that. Can Jonas Griffith potentially be a guy that we talk about as – a, a two-level player, a guy that can go sideline to sideline and coverage and stuff like that. Are we looking at something like that with Jonas Griffith here? I definitely think he could be. I mean, he moves for a bigger linebacker. He's very fluid with his movement, very smooth. Mm-hmm. And last year, again, watching some tape, watching some defense, Griffin's another player that I was looking at doing a film piece on. Um, watching him from when he started towards the end of the season, you could see his development and growth with just being able to read the plays as they develop, break them down, and find his pathway to the ball. He did such a good job against the Raiders, sorting through the trash. One of the plays I'm highlighting um, eventually, whenever I get around to writing up the piece, is he just he engages the tight end, holds him there, and then sheds it at the perfect timing to make the tackle. Like mm-hmm. It was just really good, solid play from him that's very technically sound. Um, so, star linebacker, I think that would be a little bit of a reach if it happens. Hey, that's great. Um, It just seems to be a little out of reach. And nowadays, I mean, there's plenty of really good linebackers in it. It's not the NFL game. I mean, we joke on here a lot that linebackers don't have value. Same thing with running backs. They do. It's just in a certain way. And it's not as valued as they used to be because of changes with how defenses are looking. Um, Shaq Leonard is a really good one. Mm -hmm. Fred Warner, in my opinion, is the best linebacker in the NFL right now. Devin White is very overrated. It's not that he's bad. It's just he's very sideline to sideline run defender or sideline to sideline and run defender. And his play and coverage is definitely helped by um, the other linebackers there and the safeties, um, Levante David. Mm-hmm. And they help cover his issues. Everybody talks about the game in the Super Bowl that he had against Travis Kelsey, where he Kelsey had a huge game. It yeah, wasn't, was White didn't do a good job at it. Um, but he still is still growing as a player. And he's definitely showing improvement. Um, there's a lot of them. I mean, it's like running backs. There's still a lot of good running backs. It's just not as valued when it comes to that second contract. That's where you see the lack of value really show up. How much are you willing to pay for that guy that you just don't use all that often or is so easy to replace? Yeah, I'm definitely right there with you. And I want to grab this comment from Michael Ronquillo because we got to shout out our moderator on the chat here in uh, Dylan Von Arks. And he got kind of dragged on social media for this. And I'm not sure why, because it, it, I thought that the, the opinion that he had based on uh, the article he wrote the other day was actually pretty valid. I, I, I think that there was a, a, a great overarching point. I may disagree with a little bit, but Michael jumps in and says, I heard that uh, the Broncos should trade uh, tight end Albert Okuwebenon for an NFL draft pick. Thoughts, Lance and Eric. Um, and, and Dylan jumps. He's like, I could take the hate. LOL. You're, you're good, Dylan. I, I thought it was a very well-written piece. And I think that the, the reasoning behind your take was very well thought out. I happen to disagree with it just based on the current landscape of where we're at right now with the Broncos coming off of the uh, uh, obviously disappointing Tim Patrick injury. I think that having explosive playmakers that you can split out wide and guys that are incredibly athletic is a a big thing right now for this current Broncos team. Eric, what do you think about uh, Dylan's article? First off, I thought it was great. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl, not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Some people were made to follow the instructions. We were made to make our own. To always measure twice and never cut corners. Unless, of course, we've got a compound miter saw. Northern Tool and Equipment is a problem solver's paradise. There's nothing we can't find, fix, or figure out together. We're made for this. 
Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. I didn't read it. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've made it on here, but made it known very multiple times. I don't really read the articles or anything like that. I don't listen to other podcasts, really, um, outside of certain ones around draft time. Um, but from a quick skim I gave earlier when we were talking about this because of the hate that Dylan got is that it was an opinion-based article and people were at trying to act like it was, you know, like reporting. Um, and it's a fine opinion. Like it definitely makes sense for Denver. They're in a tight spot when it comes to draft capital. Alberto Quibinom has some value and he could potentially fetch and draft pick in return. Mm. My question is, is how much value does he have? Um, and it just may not be enough to move to make that move, to pull that trigger. Right. Um, I know that the Denver really likes him and I know that they've been using him a lot out in the slot and even on the boundary. And he was asked about working on the boundary. And I think that one way that Denver can go and make up for the loss of Tim Patrick is 12, 13, 21, you know, these different personnel packages using more running backs, using more tight ends and tight end is kind of a spot where they're five deep. If they're not going to keep all five, like it makes sense for them to look to trade one. Greg Dulcich is the rookie. Um, Eric Sobert has a, seems to be Russell Wilson's favorite has a repertoire built with him. Eric Tomlinson and Andrew Beck, they have good versatility. They're good blockers. Well, Tomlinson's a good blocker. Beck has versatility to, you know, stand out there as a fullback and do nothing. Um, but Eric Tomlinson is, I really like Eric Tomlinson and he has, he has a spot on this roster as a blocker. So if they're only keeping four, Alberto Quaybenham kind of the odd man out a little bit. Um, but again, it just comes down to what is his value? I'm not exactly sure what the value is. Let, let me grab this really fast from Andrew Baker jumping in here. Last minute, guys. We got a, a couple more minutes. I want to dive into something else about this tight end position, but I got to grab this from Andrew really fast. Uh, what's up, Valley Boys? Scott and Broncos Country. Going to let my fandom breathe a little and enjoy the last weeks of summer. I'm with you on that one, quite honestly. I mean, we, we've we done so much as far as breaking stuff down and, and covering the news and everything like that. But honestly, this season, I, I kind of want to – not necessarily take a, a step back because I'm always going to be the analyst part, but I do want to let my fandom breathe just a little bit this year because there's a lot of optimism and there's a lot to really like about what's going on with this Broncos team, the direction they're going. They they finally seem to be innovative and creative offensively. They've got a, a franchise quarterback. The defense looks like they haven't missed a beat. Like it, there's a lot to like about this team, and I'm I'm excited to be a fan of the Broncos right now. Yeah, and one thing is is like it's. A little bit more difficult for us because while we're fans of the Denver Broncos, that's something that we have to put aside a little bit because we're trying to give our unbiased takes. Because you know, our bias take is that every single player on the Broncos roster is going to be great, they're going to pen out, they're going to be stars in the NFL. Yep, just not reality. Yep, um, it's not going to happen. And it's for me in particular, is I've always strained myself to be as unbiased as, as possible when watching these players and be like, hey, that was a bad play, no matter what I think of them. Um, I was a huge fan of Natani Moody and going after the Panthers game and talking about in his rookie year, how much he struggled in that game. Didn't exactly feel great, but because I just want him to succeed and overcome all the injuries that he did. Um, but yeah, definitely letting the fandom breathe a little bit. Like I'm with you there. I try to let the fandom fandom breathe a little bit. Um, Nick or Lance is dealing with some, you know, sound issues in the background. So trying to, yeah, I've got I've got kids outside. I was gonna say I've got kids outside playing with the dogs, even though they're they know they're not supposed to be doing that. So I do apologize for that, guys. It's unprofessional, and I will have some words with my kids just here in just a few minutes. But uh, uh, kids can uh, be kids. Let them be kids. Yeah, they'll be kids. But I just I gotta remind them. Hey, guys, wait for a little bit until Dad's done doing doing work, and let us let us have just a little bit of time here for a minute. I do apologize, guys. Again, um, I want to go back to something that you would talk. We've got just a couple minutes here. Try to go. Uh, three, four minutes or so on, on this topic, you had mentioned something with, as far as using more tight ends. And I I've used that conversation as well. You and I bounced this conversation back and forth, utilizing 12 personnel, given what the Broncos currently have on their roster. Like it's, it, it's so nice to have multiplicity within the offense. And this offense does call for a heavy, a heavy tight end presence, especially when it comes to blocking. Utilizing the, the 12 personnel package where you can get two tight ends on the field, one running back, two tight ends, two wide receivers, or even 21, so two running backs, one uh, tight end, and two wide receivers. I think that's a really good way to go about 
kind of mitigating the loss of Tim Patrick in this offense. And the reason I say that is because you can base so much and utilize the the athleticism and the physical football ability of these players to take away and not get a, I don't want to say lesser player, but a player that is kind of a niche role in a KJ Hamler where he's not going to play on the outside. Keep Jerry Judy, keep Cortland Sutton on the field utilize some of these other players that can create some offensive mis- mismatches and go in that direction. I mean, 61% of the time the NFL is going into 11 personnel defenses are getting thinner. Why not attack it getting bigger? Yeah. And another aspect of this, and this is a conversation that you and you and I have had, and I've had with a couple other people about replacing Tim Patrick. The focus is, has been on replacing Tim Patrick with that same style of player, that similar, a similar build, all that. You don't need to, not in today's game. Like, you can replace that in whatever way. Yeah, it's going to suck because he was pretty reliable to, you know, go make the catch when you needed it. Um, and that that is what's going to be hard to replace. But you replace him by, you know, just inserting a different type of role for it. Guys who can mesh well together, do different things, open up the offense in different ways. Having KJ Hamler and uh, Washington line up in the slot and run speed, uh, speed crossers, like, hey, like one of those two is going to be and put in an open spot. Like they're gonna they're gonna get away from the linebacker or safety whoever's covering them, and they're gonna get the ball or an opportunity in space. But as you said, another way is going bigger. Twelve personnel, twenty-two personnel. You don't see that all that often anymore. In the Packers last year, they only used like three hundred and fifty snaps with more than one tight end out on the field. So I'm not sure that's I'm not sure we'll see that. But it's not a bad way to go because, as you said, when defenses get smaller, you go a little bit bigger. They've talked about wanting to be a run game. Well, going a little bit bigger can help that. Create mismatches a little bit. You can use Albert Oquibanom outside on the boundary. You can use them in the, use them in the slot. Same with Greg Dulcich. Yep. You can do all these different formations and looks to get favorable mismatches. Because with somebody with Albert Oquibanom's size, it's going to be hard for a corner to match up with that with the physicality aspect of yes. it. It's going to be hard for a linebacker to match up with the speed that he has. Even though he's not the most agile guy, he has improved his route running. It's still going to be hard. I mean, you could just have him run up the, the seam and it can create a lot of open space for people running underneath. You know, then you can have Washington and Hamler running those crossers. It opens up a lot. And not that it didn't with Patrick, but it's just you have to open up things a little bit more when you lose Patrick rather than trying to find a exact replica. I, I definitely agree with you on that. And uh, w- when I had that conversation with you, I wasn't necessarily talking about the the body size and type. Like it would be nice to be able to fill that in because of the role that he plays, the, the big slot, that big boundary receiver that goes up and, and catches the football. It, it's a, it's a, a big, big picture argument here that I was trying to get into a little inside baseball on this. My thing was, is when you, when you go out there and say you're running dice, right, scat, right, X stick, Tim Patrick's running a stick route. Who's going to be running that stick route? That stick route now is it going to be Jerry Judy? Is it going to be Tyree Cleveland? Is it going to be um, Brandon Johnson, who seemingly has stepped up and shown out as a, a, a big physical catch body uh, kind of a, kind of a player? That's more of where I was getting at. Like, where how are they going to go about this? Now, to me, I think that. Again, it doesn't really matter. You're going to fit the scheme to do what you, you're going to fit these players to the scheme and you're going to make them like accentuate what they do the best. I'm just curious as to how that's going to be. And honestly, I think that utilizing Greg Dulcich might be a really good way to go about that because his route running, his athleticism, his catch radius, he's a former wide receiver. Like to me, that's a really great, great way to at least kind of replicate what Tim Patrick brought because you're never truly going to replace that. There's no way. Tim Patrick's a dog like that guy. He he may not be great at every at, at anything, but he's really, really good at everything. Like he's, he's the, the, the most reliable receiver this team has had in the last three seasons. He's a great blocker. He's a great route runner and he's a leader. And you're going to miss that heavily on this on this team this season. Yeah. Del Fleming came in and asked about Seth Williams. Um, Seth Williams is fighting for a roster spot. Yep. Um, by all accounts, it's that he has been really disappointing through camp so far um so we'll see what happens he's got the size he's plenty physical his route running needs work there's still plenty of time left and who knows when pads come on for preseason games what's going to happen but right now it's at a point where he has to step up to make it or else i'm not sure there's a practice squad spot for him even 
Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one, guys. I think we're pretty much done here. Want to just give some shout outs to everybody again that jumped in. Dale jumping in saying, "Great show, Lance, Eric, Scott, and Dylan." As always, thank you for the fantastic discussions, Broncos country. We truly are the greatest fan base. You guys are the greatest fan base. You guys are the the best community that we could have. Like, honestly, you guys drive us to be better. Uh, Kevin G jumping in last second here, guys, $2 super chat. We really appreciate you, Kevin. Uh, why don't you see running backs like the bus anymore in the NFL? You do. They just don't last that long. Really? Um, I think the closest one now is, um, uh, what's his name? Ramondre Stevenson. Yep. Um, it's just that the game has changed. Space is a bigger thing. Space is more important. And, um, Jerome Bettis, as good as he was, it was a very certain style that isn't the best fit in the modern NFL. Yeah. It, Jerome Bettis was a baller in pass protection and he was really hard to take down. He wasn't the best receiver, but I mean, he could still do it. 250 pound running backs are a dying breed in the NFL. Same as 260 pound linebackers. Like you just don't see that anymore uh, other than edge defenders. So uh, anyways, last couple of things here, guys, Michael Ronquillo saying great show tonight, Lance and Eric on uh, DVDD. Let's ride and go Broncos. Uh, Got to say hello to everybody else. Who, obviously Dylan Von Arch, Jay Kozad, Kevin G, uh, Mike S as well. Uh, first, no fear again. Thank you for joining us. Robin again on Facebook. The first time that we've seen your name. So thank you very much for joining us as well. Um, guys, with that, we're going to get our way out of here. Make sure you guys are following us on Twitter by finding me at SandersonMHH and for Eric at Eric Trickle. Also for Scott at Scout Kennedy. Um, guys, also our, our Twitter account, the uh, DVDD underscore pod. Uh, it's a great way to keep up with what's going on with uh, Dove Alley Deep Divers, what we're talking about every single Friday. I've got control of that thing again, so I might throw some takes out there if I can convince Eric to allow me to do that without making him look like a fool too. But uh also, guys, at Mile High Huddle, breaking news, analysis, anything regarding your Denver Broncos, film breakdowns, opinion pieces like Dylan's piece. Um, I've got a couple pieces up right now. Eric obviously puts something up damn near every day. Uh, great way to keep up with what's going on, not only at milehighhuddle.com, but with the Denver Broncos in general. Guys, uh, huddleuppod.com. Get your merch, guys. It's a merch tent, hats, T-shirts. There's coffee cups, anything to suit your fancy, something for the guys, something for the gals. Get on over to huddleuppod.com. Great way to show uh, some support for the show. Um, but, guys, if you're not financially able to do so, the three things that we show at the end of every single show – down on the bottom of the screen, the ticker is first things first, subscribe to Mile High Huddle on every Facebook or every platform, excuse me, where you guys get your podcast, uh, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to Mile High Huddle. It's a great way to support the show. It helps us out so much more than you guys even know. Like every video you guys see. And if you love it, please share it. Share it out really fast, quick and easy. Throw it out there. Hey, listen to this. It helps us so much because it gets more eyes on what we're doing here. And without your guys' support, we couldn't do what we do best, which is cover your Denver Broncos. Now, with that, Eric, I'm going to hand this off to you here really fast. You got anything else you want to you want to grab really fast? Any last words, man? No, I mean, it's season's right around the corner. I'm super excited. And, like, I hope everybody else in chat is. And I hope – and we'll see you guys next week. Yeah. Uh, we football's here guys the yeah. hall of fame game was last night i don't know who won i was bowling and I, I guess you could call that bowling i bowled really bad last night but uh um football's right around the did corner, you guys. did you break 100 i broke 100 all three games but uh, hey, did, you average, did you break 120 my average is 202 yeah, my average was like 87. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I shot. So, I averaged 202. I shot 139, 160, 194. It was, it was, yeah, it was bad. It was really bad, guys. But, uh, anyways, um, no, football's right here. We've got right around the corner of the Broncos play next week. So, we're going to do a, a breakdown a little bit, what we might see. Obviously, talking about uh, the off ball linebackers and, and the edge defenders and stuff like that is the main topic of conversation. But, the Broncos have joint practices with the Dallas Cowboys leading up to the game on Saturday. So we're really going to get a good look at what this Broncos team looks like, or at least the depth of this team on next Saturday, August 13th. But with that, guys, we have to say goodbye to each and every one of you. Thank you all for joining us on Dove Valley Deep Divers. You all stay safe and take care. Have a great weekend. And as always, go Broncos. We'll see you, see you guys same time, same place next week. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.
Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.